0: Of not asking uh, one of our men to to read this out loud, um, so I'm going to ask for a volunteer right now. <laughs> one of you guys like to read this for us?
1: <clears throat> Randy, you oh, yeah. would you like to? So put away all your malice. And all your deceit and hypocrisy and boy, all our slander, like a newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that, by it, you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to Him, a living stone rejected by man, put in the sight of God's chosen and precious, you yourself will. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood through other spiritual sacrifices and accepti- acceptable to God mm-hmm. through Jesus Christ. For it for it stand, stands in Scripture, mm-hmm. Behold, I am laying on a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in it will not be put to shame. So their honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders reject has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. Mm -hmm. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellency of Him who called you out of the darkness and into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have had have not received the mercy, but now you have received mercy.
0: That's pretty, pray, Heavenly Father, oh Lord, you are great. Amen sing that song. Uh, it uh, it touches my heart, God, to think about your greatness and how awesome you are. And God, we know you are here. We know you are among us with your people. And at this time, God, I, I pray that this, this passage from your word will speak to us this morning God that we will come away with a fresh vision of of your greatness and of what you have called us to God Lord we just come before you and ask that you'll just change us and you'll just move that you'll do the, the work that only you can do that you'll transform us by your word God may we never ever go away from our time of worship and our um, whether it's personal time or uh, this corporate time together, and not be changed. God, may You always do a work in us. I pray that You will do that for us now this morning, God. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, God is good. Um, let me pull my notes out here and see where I'm at. Um, we, uh, we have trimmed a couple of things on the front end of the, of the, uh, service today. I wanted to get started a little bit, a little bit early with, um, um, with the message, and so I'm going to turn my clock on here so that I make sure that I, I don't take advantage of the time <laughs> and go for 50 minutes. Um, there's so much great stuff in this, uh. In this passage today, familiar stuff, I think, right? Stuff we've heard before. Um, in fact, we used to sing a song about being a chosen generation and a royal priesthood. and uh, there used to be a song like that. I remember singing that um, in my younger years um, as a kid. It was actually actually it was a, a more of a, a popular or contemporary song, but it's not as contemporary anymore. But um, as we go into this passage um, today, um, I think it'd be good for us to reflect on where we've been in First Peter. And so, um, like I did a couple weeks ago, what are some things that that Peter has been trying to tell his readers up to this point? Re- remember back, we kind of glance back through the first chapter there. What are some of the themes that Peter has been working with? And what are some of the things that he wants us to remember as we move into this next passage? We're elect. We're elect, okay? Yes, elect. We're chosen. Chosen by him. What else? Yeah.
1: To bless God because of all that he's done. Okay. All that he's doing.
0: Absolutely. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he has caused us to be born again, right? Well, and then I just gave you another one right <laughs> there. I mean, blessed for all that he's done. But specifically Peter has in mind the fact that he has caused us to be born again. That's how he made that's how we became his chosen people. That's how we became elect exiles. Because he caused us to be born again, right? And uh, and then a, a couple of weeks ago, we, we went through this other uh, uh, passage, right? Um, verses thirteen through twenty-five of First Peter. What was he trying to trying to help us to understand about who we are and how we were to be as a community on mission? Remember some of those things. Remember, we changed go back to your former life. Yes. Yes. Exactly. We're changed. Don't go back to the former way of life. And in fact, he gives us... He, he re- remembers the old scripture, right? The Old Testament scripture, the command that was in Leviticus. I just read that recently in my, in my Bible readings in my private uh, worship time. He said we're to be holy because God is holy, right? That's God's word. You shall be holy for I am holy. So there's this call to holiness. Holiness is the new way of life, right? As opposed to the old way of life. And, uh, and then he called his readers to do what? Another thing, to be holy, but also something that we do in relation to one another. Self-control. Self-control. Obedient. Yes, yes, absolutely. Self-control, obedience... And, and then, right, and then he gets to, in verse 22, he gets to love one another earnestly. Yeah, yeah, and that's what, it, well, and that's what obedience is all about. Um, that's how we, that's how we, be, that's how we, does it become obedient or that's how we obey, I guess it is. We love one another, right? And that, that all leads up to verse one of this new chapter, he says, so, put away all malice. And that word so is actually, um, another way of putting that is, therefore. He gives us a therefore. So based on what I've just been telling you, put away all malice, and all deceit, and hypocrisy, envy, and slander, right? So he, he gives us this, this, these commands um, this uh, this this force of his his words here is um, because you have been born again and because you have been called to love one another specifically. There's no place in your life for malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. This word "put away" is cast off or lay aside. It's actually uh, it's actually a clothing metaphor. It's interesting because we remember we had a clothing metaphor a couple weeks ago when he said to uh, prepare. He said, "Prepare your minds for action," is how my English standard version goes. But it was literally gird up the loins of your mind. So gather up your clothes around you so you're not tripping on you. There's this clothing metaphor there, and then here he's using the same kind: put away, take off, remove these things that's not that's not how you're supposed to be clothed as my people and so then he gets into these these various um, these five different kind of categories right and as I was studying this this week I realized that these we could camp out on these for a while actually and we could just unpack these words but it in summation the idea is that, Peter is wanting us to reject the characteristics of the old way. Everything that characterizes the old way of living. Malice is, um, we probably have, a, probably have a general idea of what malice is. The word there is literally evil or wickedness. But he's, he's using it to say, look, uh, there shouldn't be any bad blood. That's really kind of the idea that he's, that he's after. There shouldn't be any bad blood in your attitudes with each other or with people outside of the community. No, no more acting out of grudges, is what he's kind of saying there. He says all deceit, and deceit is, of course, just lying. Not telling the truth. Get rid of that. Get rid of hypocrisies. The interesting thing about these last three, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, is that they're literally hypocrisies. Literally, envies or jealousies. Literally, slanderings. They're plural. They're multiples. Literally, that's what Peter is saying. Uh, He's saying, there's a variety of ways that you can be a a hypocrite. There's a variety of ways. Don't go there. In fact, he, he has hypocrisy there, and that's in direct contrast to what he said earlier when he said, to uh, love one one another earnestly or to have sincere brotherly love for one another. It is really easy to go, well, I kind of love this person outwardly and in certain select ways and then to inwardly have hypocrisy or in another context have hypocrisy. And so that's why, that's why Peter says, look, put away that stuff. That's the old way. Now you're a new family. Now you are, you are God's people. You have one Father, and every one of you are brother and sister in Christ. So there's a new way for you to act. So get rid of that stuff. Get rid of the jealousies. We're not doing anything. We're, the, our motivation to do anything in our Christian life is not based on, well, so and so is getting that, so maybe I should. Or, well, they have this, so maybe I should act a certain way. It's easy to do, because that's the sin nature that we're battling day after day after day. I'm going to get into that in a second. Um, and then <coughs> slanders. Once again, uh, slanderings, multiple ways of slandering, it's the natural impulse. It all—all all of this is cumulative. We get to the point where, where we have, we have, uh, hypocrisies, and we have this jealousies, and then what it leads to is openly slandering. And he's saying, get rid of that. That's not who you are. Remember who you belong to. And then he says, um, in the in the next phrase, he gives us, he says that we we desire our, as as a as a community. Uh, mission, we we should desire the new life that comes from Jesus. And that's where he says, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk. Um, I'm so glad that this is in there. I think uh, in another passage in the New Testament, we have Paul saying, look, you're just babies. You're just on milk. And what you need is to graduate up to solid food. So, Paul it, it uses this kind of illustration of milk in a very very different way than Peter does. Peter's not saying stay where you are, stay babies, um, you know, keep eating regurgitated or processed food, so because that's the only thing you can handle, you know. And and really, um, when when I'm preaching every Sunday, that's what you're getting. <laughs> you're getting. What has been regurgitated? What I have processed throughout the week, and now it's okay. I don't mean to get graphic here, but but the idea, but 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 the idea that that you know, Paul is saying to these other the other church that look, you need to get into the word yourself. You need to get into it. You need to dig in. Don't don't ask your mama to cut up your meat all the time. I'll sh- I'll just share this real quick story. One of my siblings, and I won't tell you which one, um, because I didn't ask permission to share this. But one of my siblings, when um, they were a child, um, was was complaining about the meat, complaining about the meat at the table. I don't like this meat. It's too hard. It's too. I can't chew it up. It's. I don't like it. And, you know, our answer to that was always, well, put some more ketchup on it. Um, you know, see if you can lubricate it. Get it down. Um, but uh, this, this meat is too hard. It's too tough. And, and so my grandmother, who we were living with at the time, r- reached over, forked a piece of that, put it in her mouth, and she said, oh, honey, this, is, this meat is so tender. And my sibling said, that's the piece I was chewing on. Um, so, I don't, know where we, I don't know how we got off on it, but the point is, the point is, it's, it's when stuff has already been processed for us, okay, we can handle it. We can handle that. Um, God wants us to, but Peter uh, wants us to long for pure spiritual milk, not, not to like remain a baby, but he's trying to point out the fact that we are newborn infants. He is emphasizing the fact that we've been born again. We have been born into a new family. So he's just carrying through that idea of, well, what does an infant desire more than anything? Sustenance. It wants to be fed. It's crying for milk. It wants mommy to to feed him or her. That's how we should be. We should have that kind of a desire for the things of God. We should have that kind of a desire for the Word of God. We should have that kind of a desire for Jesus. We want Jesus. We want the pure spiritual milk. Pure, another way of putting that, is unadulterated. It's not contaminated. It is pure. Spiritual is a, is simply another way of of saying it's not it. it, it look, this is not. I'm not talking about natural milk. I'm not talking about literal milk. I'm talking about something that comes uh, from Jesus, something that comes from a spiritual source. And he says that by it you may grow up into salvation. The same same kind of phrase he used in in the previous chapter when he said that. You have been born into a living hope, into an inheritance that's imperishable, into a salvation that's ready for you. We are growing up into this salvation. This is a process that we're coming in, and we will never, ever, ever outgrow desire. We'll never outgrow it. If you are at a point in your life where you're thinking, I'm not sure I really desire Jesus or His Word or prayer or the things that come from the Spirit. If we're at a point in our life like that, we need to go back to Jesus' words when He said, the kingdom, you receive the kingdom like a little child in faith. Just You just come back to it over and over and over again. Look at verse 3, he says, "...if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good." When, when, when the baby tastes the milk, it's good, and that baby wants to go back for it over and over again. The assumption that Peter has is not like, well, maybe if you have. He's, he's, got, he's saying, if indeed, and I believe this is true in your case, that you have tasted, you have tasted that the Lord is good, so go back to the Lord. Why are we going back to the old way? Why are we going back to the malice and the deceit and the hypocrisies and the envyings and the slanders? Why are we going back to that? We have a new desire. A com- we're a community on mission. And, our, and because of that, we have to choose the, the, the correct desires. We have to choose between these desires of the old way or the new life that Jesus brings. But well, look what else he, look what else he says. He turns his attention slightly, and it he changes up his illustration. But he first points out that that we have uh, received our identity in Jesus. We've received our identity in Jesus because immediately he goes from. Uh, from talking about us and our salvation and our desires, and he goes, look, you're coming to Jesus. You're coming to him, just like the Israelites would come to the temple or they would come to the tabernacle. They would come to God. We are coming to Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. A living stone. Well, if you done any kind of, like, my kids are studying science, and, and you, know, you know that stones are not alive, alive right? They're not living organisms. They're, they're pretty much, they just, they're, they're just there. And you can break them down, but they're pretty much there. <laughs> that's, that's it. They're not alive. But, but Peter says, no, Jesus is a living stone. He is something, and he's going to build on this later on, but he is something that you can base your life on. And he's living. He's not like the old way. Last week we looked at Matthew 28. Remember, remember the women came to the tomb and they were they were going, well, where is he? And the angel said, Look, you're seeking Jesus who was crucified. You're seeking something that's not here. And and remember we kind of we pulled out of that that that's kind of what we all do. We seek, we may even have good intentions for what we're seeking. But we're seeking, oftentimes, something that is false. That's not going to save us. Because a Messiah in a tomb is not going to save us. A living Savior, ah, a living stone is going to save us. So he's contrasting the the, the former way of life. He's con- contrasting the old way. And he's saying, no, Jesus is the living stone. He is the one that we're we're looking to. He is the source of our sustaining life. Um, he, he looks. He, he, then, he, then he turns his attention in verse 5. Look at this. You yourselves like living stones. Immediately we should think, oh, we're like Jesus. Jesus is chosen and precious. That's how we are. He is alive. Oh, that's how we are. Our attention now is, oh, because of what Jesus did, and because he's made us his own, Now we have something to live for. Now we have something to base our lives on. We are being built up as a spiritual house, a new community um, identity God has given us. We're a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices. Wow, he's rattling off all of these phrases, and every one of them deserves to be unpacked. But the point here is that in all of these, we belong to God. We belong to God. We are a spiritual house. This this word house, I when I first looked at this, I thought, spiritual house, holy priesthood, spiritual sacrifices, he's talking about the temple, right? So it's like we're a temple. We're a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? But the, the word that he uses there for house, and I'm going to just nerd out here, and I'm going to tell you the Greek word, because I love it, and it's oikos. It's such a great word, "Oikos." It can mean a house, like this is a house, this this structure. But more often than not, in the New Testament, it means a household, a family. Check that out. That's pretty awesome. That He has made us a spiritual house. That we are not just. It's is it is it more intimate to think of us as being a building? or to be a family. You know, that's awesome. We are a spiritual house. Yes, we are a building. Yes, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Because because Jesus is is in us, and God is in us by the Holy Spirit. But we are oikos. We are a family. Something, Something that we cannot create on our own. We cannot create the community that God creates by His Holy Spirit. But that's what He does. He makes us, or He is making us, and that's, that's, the, that's the, the key thing I want you to see, that we are being built, that we are in the process of being made into His people. In order that, or the point of it, is so that we can offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. These sacrifices are the conduct that we are supposed to, to act and behave like. It's, it's a spiritual sacrifice, so it's in a sense, it's worship. God, he's saying, you're supposed to be worshiping. Your, these spiritual sacrifice sacrifices in the Old Testament were an act of worship and it hasn't changed. Paul said, so offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. And Peter's saying something very similar to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. He wants our conduct to be consistent with who he is. And so then we offer that conduct to God as an act of worship. Um, The last bit here is he, he quotes these several scriptures um, he's quoting from Isaiah, several passages in Isaiah. He's quoting from a passage in the Psalms, and he's he's uh, he's reinforcing this idea that Jesus is the stone. He's the precious stone. He's the living stone. He's the cornerstone upon which we are built. And look what he says: the honor, the honor in verse seven is for you who believe. But. For those who do not believe, it's a stumbling stone. How many times have we spoken with people who don't believe, who don't think the same way, and they're like, I just can't, I can't, um, I can't believe that. I I can't believe, um, there's too many things like God, if God was like this, why would he do that? If Jesus was like this, then why are these things happening? And they come to Jesus and go, man, it's a stumbling. It's a stumbling stone. It's something that is making them, it's something that is offensive, as he says in verse 8. A rock of offense. But they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Let me me back up to verse 6 and just point this one out. The contrast here in this whole section is between those who don't believe and those who do believe. And what does he say about those who believe? Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. That's awesome. That's awesome. There are things about our lives, right, that are shameful. Just straight up. There are things that we have done, there are attitudes that we have had, and if if all the world were to see all of that stuff, we would be ashamed. But the awesome thing about the gospel, the awesome thing about the grace of God, and how we can sing how great is our God, is because... When we put our trust in Him, we will never be put to shame. Right? We will be vindicated for our faithfulness. That's all it is. We just put our faith in Jesus and trust Him for what He has done. And then God looks at at us and says, When I look at you, my child, I see Jesus, who was righteous on your account. There's nothing for you to be ashamed of anymore. He just continues on. Let's, let's look at this last section. Let's look at this last section because uh, we, we, the, uh, what we were just looking at, um, I would sum up in this way that, that God has created us to be a community on mission that is in process, in the process of becoming God's people. And so we're still being worked on, we're still learning, we're still growing. But here in verse 9, he changes his, his, his tense a little bit, and he says, But you are, you are, right now, you are God's people. And he gives these, these, these statements of honor. These are really um, this chosen race, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. These are statements of honor that, that God in His grace and in His mercy is giving to us. Why would He give that to us? It's not because of anything that we have done. It's because of what He, he praises God for in verse in, in chapter 1 when He says that you were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ, like, the, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. We are His chosen people. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for a possession because of what Jesus has done. And only because of that. But He says, you are that. And so these titles here are God saying, this is who you are in the world so that you can represent Me. So you can reflect Me and My goodness and My greatness to the rest of the world, that's what it's all about. He uh, he also says, um, "Go go uh, follow the follow the line a little bit, um, people for his own possession." And then in verse nine, that you may proclaim that the word that is important because it once again gives us a, a mission. It gives us a reason for why He did what He did, for why He's calling us what He's calling us. What is our mission in that, in that phrase? To proclaim God's excellencies, to proclaim His virtues. This is an interesting thing too, this proclaim is, is related to speaking the gospel. It's literally like expressing or proclaiming the good news. We're good news bearers. What comes out of our mouths should be the good news of the gospel. That's why He made us who He made us. So that we can proclaim this. The excellencies, and other translations say virtues, um, these are the praiseworthy deeds of God. These are the things that He has done. When was the last time you were so caught up in what God had done that you had to share that story? When was the last time that you were confronted with the empty tomb and with the with the truth that He is not here, He is risen? And you heard the command, now come and see, go and tell. That that message, that that good news had, had affected you so greatly that you had no choice but to share it you had no choice but to express it once you were not a people verse 10 but now you are God's people once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy we are God's people precisely because of his mercy on us these the that verse there verse 10 is is a is kind of Peter's way of restating the story of Hosea in the Old Testament. Hosea was one of God's prophets. And God said to Hosea, Hosea, go marry an unfaithful woman. Go marry an adulterous woman. No, really what he's saying, go marry a prostitute. That's what he's saying. Go marry this unfaithful woman. And have children by her, and he had two children, and the first children, in Hebrew was literally called well I won't not the Hebrew word but the first child was called not my people. That's what you're gonna name your child, not my people. Oh, that's really good. It's, you know what is that you in our day day and age? What would that be? It's something that I shouldn't say out loud polite company. That's what it is. That's what he was saying. Name your child that. Okay? Then he said, then he had another child and God said, name that child no mercy because I'm not going to show any mercy on Israel. Israel's no longer my people because they're unfaithful to me. Israel no longer has mercy because they've been unfaithful to me. That was the story of Hosea. And what happened? God said, I am going to come to you and I'm going to woo you and I'm going to bring you back to myself because I love you you have been unfaithful to me but I still love you and you're going to be my people again and I'm going to show you mercy this is this is a pinnacle of Peter's letter once you were not a people but now you are God's people you could never have become a people of any kind of any shape Forget trying to be an oikos. Forget trying to be a community. Without me doing something, you will never be my people. You will never be that community. You had, once you had not received mercy, but in Christ we have received mercy. We have received everything. Why? So that we could proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness. He called us out of the old way. He called us out of the malice. He called us out of the deceit. He called us out of the hypocrisies. He called us out of the envying. He called us out of the slanders into His marvelous light so that we would grow in Him, so that our desires would be transformed into His desires, so that we would desire the pure spiritual milk, so that we would desire the sustenance that only comes from life in Christ. That's what He offers us. You may be a believer today. I trust, I, I've, I've talked to every single one of you, and I, th- I believe that I think the majority, if not all of us here today, have some kind of saving knowledge of Jesus. But where are we at? Are we trusting in Him? Are we desiring Him day after day? And how can we possibly do that? My wife is really good because she starts quizzing me the su- Sunday morning, and she says, so what's your message about? Oh, and then how do we do that? Well, then what about this? And then she starts quizzing me. How do we desire that? What's that? I
1: said, you're welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you, honey. I all of them. How do we <laughs>
0: desire that? We desire it by going back to Jesus, whom we've tasted. We go back to Jesus, whom we've tasted. And if we have never tasted Jesus, then we go... What is going on? Here's a people who have tasted Jesus, and they're not perfect. They're still struggling. In fact, some of the things they do really bother the heck out of me. But yet, they call on the name of Jesus because that is all they can do. That's the only place they're going to find mercy and grace. I want to taste that too. We go back to Jesus over and over and over again. When, When Jesus said... If you're going to follow me, you've got to deny yourself daily and pick up your cross and follow me. That's, that's what it's all about. Every day, we recognize the old way that's in us, and we repent, and we say, Jesus, help my unbelief, because there's something in my heart that is keeping me from your ways. There's something in my, something in my life that's competing with my desires. I want to know you. I want to be in process of being your people. I want to live right now as your people. I want to offer the conduct that is worthy of you. I want to proclaim your excellencies. That's what he's asking us, and that's what he's inviting us into. No matter where you are at in your Christian life, where you are at in the process, today is a day to die to yourself to die to the old way, and to and to say, Jesus, give me desire for the pure sustenance that only You can give me. So we're going to pray, we're going to sing, um, and uh, we are going to. Uh, in fact, um, uh, I mentioned at the beginning that we're going to we're going to converse with our our brothers and sisters at Terrace Heights Baptist Church this morning and in a moment via Skype, and we're going to talk to them. But be, but before we do that, uh, let's just pray. Let's, um, let's ask God to do what and complete the work that He's doing in our hearts right now. Um, I believe God is speaking to us, and I believe that nothing, no other things that are going on um, in our lives right now Um, are as important as what God's trying to say to us right now through His Word. Let's pray.